Welcome everyone to Ian's Untitled Scene Show. This is awesome. I am very excited because I have a returning friend to the show, even though he's never been on this show yet. It's Mikey Sawyer from Misfortune. Mikey, man, how are you doing today? What's going on, brother? It's been a while. It has. It's been a while. Yeah, I can't I can't help but say that when I, when I hear that line. Do you ever do that? I have a reference sustained that will never get out of my mind. Are you serious? I can't help it. Anytime someone says it's been a while, it was a running joke on like seven years on this show. <laughs> Dude, that's so great. I can't, I yeah, can't I help it. That band. Well, by the way, on the on the topic of that band, do you know they're going out this year with Disturbed? I think it's Disturbed, Bad Wolves, and it's a huge like arena tour across the entire United States. Holy shit! No, I haven't heard about that, but I know everybody and their fucking mom is coming back to do a reunion or some kind of like just crazy tour this year this is the year of the crazy tours it's very very true and look we will definitely get to you know what we're gonna shoot the shit towards the end of the show so we'll have to come back to nostalgia a little bit because i know you can certainly talk to that but oh yeah one of the main reasons why you're on the show today is that you have the new self-titled album misfortune coming out on april 3rd now we are getting pretty close to that date right now so i figured you know Why not get Mikey on the show and really go into things? So are you ready? I have some questions kind of from the past first, you know, stuff that we've never been able to talk about before, and then we'll go right into the album and talk about all the nitty gritty. Does that sound good? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk talk about this. Awesome, man. I've been looking forward to this for a while. We've been (laughs) talking for a while. This is going to be great. So let's start this off right. So like I said, we're going to go through some past questions now. Okay. You know, this is going to be kind of a long question because I'm, I'm thinking about it in my mind right now. I know this is going to be kind of long. Okay. But we're going to start off with this. You know, after the first album, you know, A Spark to Believe in 2014 and after Sumerian, you had mentioned that you were in the process of writing the second Misfortune album and that it would also be self-titled. But that didn't actually happen. So with this brand new album that you've got coming out on April 3rd, the question would be, did you use any of your previous writings? For that album and then also you actually didn't entitle your second album misfortune that was actually how the story ends so how do you decide to really go with that title or the self-titled part of the title oh the tough questions okay <laughs> all right no the self-title is something i just always wanted to do just because of those albums that were influential to me whether it was avenge sevenfold Emerosa, sky eats airplane All those records were just classics in their own right. And so working with a real producer this time, I thought it would be advantageous to call this one, you know, self-titled. And so when you ask about how the story ends, you know, none of those songs really felt like that defining body of work. Oh, Um, Don't get me wrong. There were some great songs on that project, but it was just meant to be more as like an in-between record to kind of get us where we are today. I see. And sometimes it's just it just isn't the time. Sometimes it takes five years and a few hundred bad songs before you reach <laughs> your desired destination, which for us is this offering. Right. And, you know, none of these songs are old songs or rehashed ideas. This is just our newest offering as the band, hence the title of Misfortune. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that completely makes sense, but it's good to hear the behind the scenes of that a little bit. And by the way, I have to give you extreme scene props. For bringing up uh, Sky Meets Airplane. Like, oh, yeah. Man. Sky yeah. Eats Airplane. I, I think I said Sky. What? Wow. Did I say Sky <laughs> Meets Airplane? Because that's actually pretty funny. And that should that should actually be the name of a band. 
But that'd be sick. Yeah, Sky Eats Airplane. I have not heard that name for a long time, and they used to be one of my favorites. So that's awesome that you would bring up that album. Oh yeah, man. Self-titled. That's just a staple. Like the the Sky Eats Airplane self-titled. I mean, and also Seosin. Like all those things, I was taking into account. That's very for this. Cool. So. You know, if, you know, we're part of this genre, part of this culture, so we can't forget about kind of those grassroots, you know, start on MySpace, if you, if you yes. recall. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Tail into MySpace. I get it. I, I, <laughs> I yeah. certainly <laughs> yeah. Well, now, talking about MySpace and talking, you know, a little bit about nostalgia at the beginning of the show. So I want to go way, way back on this one. This is something that you and I have never talked about. But what I wanted to check on is... We know throughout the years there have been a lot of member changes in Misfortune. Now, one of the biggest ones, or one of the one of the ones that people think about when they think about Misfortune, is when Eddie Cano, you know, from Scarlett O'Hara, was <laughs> was actually in the band. Now, I know a little bit behind the scenes of the story, but I would really love to go through this. So, can you go through it a little bit and tell me why it ended so quickly? Oh man! So the the long story short. Is that I've never even met that guy. What? Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, like supposedly he came to the show I was playing with Close Your Eyes and we shook hands and I don't really even recall that. But Eddie's role in Misfortune is and always has been a facade. Like, wow. You get me? Like we exchanged some Facebook messages and he convinced me to join this like seven piece band from all over the US because you know rise records wants to sign his comeback band and they want to use my song with tyler carter to like right. springboard this project and he sold me this dream luke holland was gonna be the supposedly be the drummer and all this shit <laughs> and I, just, so I decided to go out on a limb because i saw there was definitely talent in the lineup that he was putting together but you know none of that stuff ever materialized because the group he made was only a facebook page you know with with some names on it ah and you know one of those names was josh Kickta, so that yeah. was one of the great things that came from that but you know, at the end of the day, the truth is, like, we got interest from Sumerian, so we all arranged to meet up, you mm-hmm. know, and, and make this internet band a real, real band and uh, and write and stuff. And only four people showed up, and just Eddie <laughs> wasn't on that list of people. He, did, he didn't show up in Missouri when it was time to write. And wow. so the label decided for us that I was going to take on all the vocal responsibilities, which made all the sense in the world. Um, yep. You know, I had written and produced probably the only song the band had put out at the time which was the double threat of danger. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't realize that that was my song and that those other guys in the band, those other six guys were just allowed to like, kind of take ride the wave because it helped to launch the project. So, ah. you know, we just let that, that narrative kind of run. But you know, I was 18 years old when I put that song together. I didn't know any of those guys. I didn't know Eddie. <laughs> I didn't, you know, that song just kind of like <laughs> grew legs and, and yeah. with the internet being the way it was at the time. And you know, it just, it just worked weirdly. Yeah. And uh, so I think I think Eddie hopped on this one demo that we recorded. Uh, we were working with Dan Corneff at the very, very beginning. And um, that shit was just trash. So we let him go. <laughs> Straight see, up. See, I love once again, I love hearing that behind the scenes stuff, because, you know, right now, if you go ahead and you Google misfortune and, you you know, talk about the double threat of danger and you look up things to do with the, you know, the biography of the band, Eddie's name comes up almost every single time. I know, dude. I'm so tired of that shit. Like, <laughs> even on, on iTunes and everything. No, I I get it, though, because whenever we formed the band, it, he he kind of promoted it to be, like, his Scarlett O'Hara, like, rebrand. So yeah. everyone thought we were Scarlett O'Hara. Right. Just with a new name. 
which was never the case. And people still to this day are like, isn't that Eddie on the devil threat? Or wasn't, where's Eddie? I'm like, there's right. no Eddie. Like no Eddie, Eddie. I, I don't even know this guy. <laughs> See, right now we should get together and make a new podcast where we do basically drunk scene history. <laughs> we go through all these stories and just debunk them completely because you know, I mean, I know you and I know personal stories of a lot of other things that have happened that people just have no idea about. Yeah. Like all the people that, all the people that say Ronnie Radke was acquitted of murder and they murdered someone and all this crazy. Oh, shit. all that crap. Yeah. 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 We could definitely, <laughs> yeah, we could definitely go through that. Well, let me also, while we're on this topic, let me bring up the double threat of danger because you actually just recently re-release that song as well it's actually the original version right yeah i wouldn't even i can't even call it a re-release because it's just the first time it was ever even on streaming because no that's a good point streaming streaming wasn't even a thing back there back whenever we put that song out and plus we just released that song for free just as a promotional promotional thing i remember like we we sent out a link to all these people that rsvp'd because you basically had to rsvp or whatever to get the song right and then you would receive it in an email and i think we had we had fifty thousand downloads of that song very cool. our first track ever and that's you know ultimately what led to us getting signed and stuff and that was the first kind of song in our discography which we ended up disowning in a weird way just because yeah. we kind of moved past it right but you know in in this day and age you know a lot of people are bringing back songs and they're reissuing things and so we just decided why not like we're kind of missing some music from 2012 on our itunes page and spotify page so we just backdated the release and uh it's finally out for people to hear oh very cool and also it brings some more marketing for the new album as well so you can't beat that it does it definitely does yeah it gets the algorithm going for uh, like your monthly listeners and your streams and stuff like that so that kind of feeds it exactly so now yeah. you had mentioned discarding things, you had mentioned moving on, and that's one thing for sure that misfortune has gone through. You know, you have completely new people now surrounding you. You don't even have Josh anymore, who you had mentioned earlier. So for this new album, how did you choose the band and what was that songwriting process like? Because I'm assuming it had to have been different than the past. Yeah, for sure. And uh Oh, where to begin? I mean, it's all crazy, man. Like it started from our cover of Sunflower last year, the Post Malone and Sway Lee rendition. Right. Um, you know, I had teamed up with this young guitar player named Raphael from LA, and we were working with this other guy, Kevin. And they cooked up that cover with me going back and forth while I was staying in Oklahoma. They would send me different versions, and we again just kind of put it put it together and threw it out to see what would happen. And the song ended up being pretty successful. Yeah. So I decided to make some more records with them, and somewhere along the way, we did call it, we decided to call it self-titled album and just make a new lp something totally fresh wow and of course with that a lot of pressure a lot of pressure yeah and so my roommate james and i we run a 24-hour recording studio in okc and we cleared the schedule for about three months we put every spare moment into demoing out vocals and doing pre-production and recalls and harmonies and layers and stacks and like we had time for nothing else (laughs) and so so that's when we wrote hearts on fire that was about a year ago we wrote that song and that was when we found Rufus and Chris. And so they locked in on the rhythm section. And we were like, damn, we have a full band now. But the same problem from day one is that we're all just Facebook profiles to each other. Right. And so let's put everybody in a room with a multi-platinum, you know, world-renowned producer and see what this can turn into. Wow. And so <laughs> that's where Andrew <laughs> Wade came into the picture. Ah, okay. All right. You know? Yep. 
And I've not I've known Andrew for about ten years now behind the scenes. We never actually met each other. We just have always like been looking out for each other kinda. Sure. And uh and so we never had the budget to really link up until now. Uh but we decided let's bring Andrew into the mix and now he is. So Wow. You know, we, we probably won't make any more music unless Andrew's involved because he's like an unspoken member in our band in the studio. Damn. He's a, a real guitar guy. Yeah. He's a real guitar guy, so it was an easy transition for me from working yep. with Josh to working with Andrew. Where it, like you can hardly tell, you know. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Let me let me interrupt there really quickly for yeah. anyone that doesn't know Andrew. Google him and check out his like Wikipedia page, for instance, and look at all the bands that he's worked with. I know he's come up on this show or other previous iterations of the show many times with bands I've had on the show and just talking about who they want to work with. And Andrew's work with, like, just for instance, A Day to Remember, The Ghost Inside, Issues, the list goes on and on and on. He's worked with everybody. And it is very cool to see that you guys were able to put this together. The big boss, man. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's crazy because we've we've always had that kind of music. Like, we've always sounded like a band that, that should work with him. Like, right. it just made so much sense yet again. And it's just... You know, I don't know. Some of the albums that Andrew's produced have have really shaped who I am as a singer and as ah, a person. Okay. And so it was it was wild to to kind of come and make an album with him, given the fact that I used to practice singing to like music that he created. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, well, then, since obviously my question was pretty long as they have been recently, now that you're working with Andrew, you bring him into the fold. What was the process like for actually songwriting then with his influence and then the rest of the band? Man, so what we did was just mostly ensure this time that the vocals would come first and okay. be just a top priority. Uh, and then we would basically build out custom songs around the top line. Ah. And so basically the band sort of plays the supporting role in like my movie, so to speak. Like like the lead is the really the lead. Mm -hmm. right. And so I think that that's super cool. And that's mostly how Top 40 stuff is produced. Um, so this was a new and exciting sort of challenge for us. And uh, yeah. Now, does that mean that you wrote every single lyric on this? Or did you run it past Andrew, run it past the band, get help in molding things that way? Or was this all you? So we kind of like wrote our own version of the album kind of here at my house. And we did all the pre-production here. Uh, and so I had thought that I had kind of written a whole album of my own. Yeah. But then we got to, we got to Andrew and we kind of started to flesh it out. And he would kind of like, he would kind of like really put me through my paces in terms of like, what do you mean by this? What are you ah. trying to convey? What are you trying to say? And a lot of times my answer w was, well, I just thought it sounded cool because, <laughs> you know, it's my voice. You know, if I hear something with my voice, I'm going to think it's good. Ah, gotcha. And so, and so he was able to kind of refine, I feel like my style and kind of pick apart my melodies and stuff like that. And yeah. so I would actually turn into like quite a 50, 50 effort um, wow. for okay. me and Andrew. Yeah. No, that's that's yeah, we pretty really cool locked here. in. Yeah, I get uh, well oh, yeah. for sure. I've heard the album. I've been lucky enough to hear it. And actually, by the yep. way, I probably should have said this at the beginning. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, I never know when the right time to say this is. But man, I love this album. I I, I feel oh, like yeah. yeah, I feel like sometimes we talk off air and we text and we and I tell you these things already. So I feel like oh he already knows. But then I'm forgetting we're talking to a bunch <laughs> of different people right now. <laughs> like yeah. So, yeah, no, that's great. I'm a huge fan of the album. I've been a fan since the beginning, but once again, 
you blew me away with this. So let's get to, you had mentioned a couple times, you had talked about kind of your melody and your style. I've always been a fan. So another thing that I've been a fan of is that on the self-titled album, you brought a ton of variety. You've got so many different styles ranging from pop to metalcore to even an 80s type style track, Uh, which I really, really enjoyed. So (laughs) I just want to know, is that something that you were trying for or was that something that happened organically? Man, I've always had this picture in my mind of what I wanted us to feel like, you know, which is like a punk band or a pop punk band. Sure. But really this album, this album in particular was just about pushing the envelope and making an album that we really wanted to as opposed to trying to appeal to a certain demographic or kind of making more like left brain decisions. So I just wanted people to have fun listening to it and to like it. And so it all really started from like the front art cover. Um, I'll get an image like that in my head. So every step of the process, you know, I'm getting near and near to that end result. And so my aesthetic was almost this like nuclear fallout, like green day sort of dookie vibe. And, and so from there, I'm like, okay, well, what does that sound like? And what do I love to listen to? So for me, I love listening to Panic at the Disco. I love Drake. I love Post Malone. Ah. But I also love, you know, A Day to Remember and Fall Out Boy and Amorosa. Ah, there you go. So how does this all equal up to, like, this pop punk masterpiece inspired by Dookie called Misfortune? <laughs> you know, and, like, the songs, they start with the vocals. Yeah. So I really bear the burden of kind of making those creative choices to set the vibe and the tone for the release, even down to the time frame and, you know, the season, the weather oh. that's going to be dropping in. Wow. You know? Okay. And, yeah, you, and then you kind of reverse engineer it from there and you think to yourself, you know, what's going to be hot in 2020 and how can we put our own twist on what's considered, like, proven methods in songwriting? And that's how you come out with this album. You know, it's ethereal and powerful and it speaks on so many different levels both sonically and lyrically and you know for all intents and purposes it is a pop album but it's just you can't tell because of the hard you know the loud drums and distorted guitars and like kind of the other stuff that we're covering up but but i still like that some of the shimmer is in there some of the like so like you said some of the 80s synths yeah and like just some of that more classic stuff because that's what we were trying to do was just make a classic for sure. Out of this one. So. Yeah, I, I would yeah. imagine. I mean, I would guess that a lot of bands want to do that, right? You want to make something that's everlasting, that isn't just going to be forgotten. You know, you mentioned 2020, but what about after 2020? Are people yeah, still going to remember this, right? So, yeah. Very true. That totally makes sense. Well, let me. I honed in on something real quick, and I've never heard anyone on the show mention this before, but you talk about yeah. when the release of the album will be by a season or by. You know, that kind of feeling of when you want it out there. Yeah. So how did you choose April? April, I chose because uh, it just seemed more like cataclysmic, if that makes sense. Like that's usually when tornado season's coming oh. around and like we're we're changing, you know, from, you know, the thunder and the lightning and kind of like all that stuff. Kind of like the Spark to Believe vibes a little bit. Yeah. Um, but this album has that kind of dystopian, like nuclear time. So I, I don't know. I just felt like spring was the move. Sure. Spring going into summer. And then, but the album is, it, it can be enjoyed year round. Yeah. But I think it's cool. About. But just for our time frame, this is just kind of what made the most sense to me. And so, yeah. Okay. That's what we did. Yeah. yeah. I've just, I've never heard anyone talk about it like that. So I appreciate yeah. being able to learn about that. That's interesting. So. Yeah. If you ever notice the weekend, the weekend loves to drop in the fall. I don't know uh, what it is. Just his, his music has a certain vibe. Yeah. And he talks about it too. He's like, I'm coming this fall or, you know, whatever he says. Oh, okay. But, All right. 
you'll notice it. Yeah, it's it's like a rollout thing. Like think about it like on a quarterly basis because bands drop you know songs every three months or whatever. Try to keep a little. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very true. That is absolutely true. Yeah. So now going back to what you just mentioned. Yeah. With thunder and lightning, I gotta put that into. I heard a lot more screaming than I thought I was gonna hear. <laughs> so I just gotta yeah. know. I mean, it goes from you know all of a sudden they're screaming in the background to a a relatively very poppy track and then back and forth. Like I said, you obviously have a lot of different styles in here, but when do you kind of know, you know, you're working with Andrew, how do you know when screams were the right fit, the right dynamic for that particular track? Honestly, the decision came extremely out of left field and just very subconsciously. Ah. Um, you know, I study my influences and their catalogs and same with the producers that I work with. And I just, I know where Andrew shines at what he does and where I do. And so this was all about pushing myself to do something that I, A, had never done before and B, something that people can kind of check my resume and see where I really came from, you know, in this genre, in the post-hardcore community. Yeah. And so I just felt like that made the most sense to pack pack a punch with this album and some of the songs just were just inherently darker and heavier and when you're coming with that new misfortune fire you know you gotta, you gotta <laughs> scream a little bit that's right yeah now were you the one that was doing these screams or was someone else in the band doing it yep that's all me wow 100 of the vocals yeah nice yeah very cool well uh, what made you think to do that then oh uh, i think it was just some of the instrumentals that were coming across um that were coming across they had a they were just a little more heavy. And uh, and yeah, and then there was a couple like unexpected breakdowns that I ended up screaming. Like I came into the studio perhaps like singing over the the chugs. Okay. And 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 maybe maybe Andrew, I can't really remember who if it was Andrew or someone else, but they were kind of just like, you know, maybe you should scream over that. And that's always like my well duh. Like of course <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. You know, because that just seems like expected yeah and i always try to try to mix it up like i think trying to sing over breakdowns and do stuff like that is kind of what set, sets me apart sure yeah, yeah. but at the same time if the part calls for screams the part calls for screams and so that's just what it boiled down to is was it called for and if it was called for then we did it which ended up being more than in the past yeah i don't think i correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think there was any screaming on how the story ends right we had one song that had screams, and it, yeah, it was, it wasn't a single or anything. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've listened to the album a, a million times, so it's probably <laughs> I'm getting it mixed up in my head, but I couldn't remember. It's a little exactly. nugget. Yeah, yeah. It's not very. Wasn't much. it at the yeah. end of one of the tracks? It's in Wedding Night. Okay, I think it's like track six. It's been a while. Okay, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, listen. Yeah, since listening to that. <laughs> Real. Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. Another thing we talk about, you know, the the work with your vocals, talk about working with Andrew and the differences in the band. And another difference that I saw or heard is you had an interlude track called My Father's ah, yeah. Son. Yeah. And it kind of comes out of nowhere in the whole scheme of the album. And it's very different from anything I've heard from you before. So I just want to know what was the thought process behind doing something like that? So it's a sample of a, uh, a Fender Rhodes, which is just this like, you know, very vintage piano. And we got this just, you know, super 50s, you know, little interlude and decided to sample it for the record. And um, 
And, you know, the album just has this very dystopian kind of nuclear vibe to it. So I thought that it matched really well um, to kind of put it that intermission in the middle mm-hmm. and let people kind of process what they just listened to on the first, you know, half of the album, first five songs. Ah, okay. And I'm still a big, you know, CD vinyl guy. So I listen to full projects and, and the ear does get tired after, you know, too much. So the interlude sure. kind of takes you back down to earth and then leads you back up to Hearts on Fire where it kicks in like real heavy. Right. Right, and that was the first single as well. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So how much thought process was put into how the flow of the album? I mean, I'm sure there was a lot. But in general, when you're thinking about that, you know you want to break up kind of the first half to the second half. But also, when you're putting all these tracks down, what type of intricacies go into saying, okay, this track is going to be number one, we're going to end, because you end with Surrender, which is an acoustic track, very similar to A Spark to Believe. Was that done on purpose? So, yes. Um, I would say that the track list, and I'm so weird with this because a lot of people don't work like this, but the track list and the song titles and the artwork kind of comes first in my mind. Okay. Yeah, like sometimes I'll have just a concept or like a loose, you know, vibe, I guess, of of a song. And then I'm just trying to like write towards that goal. For this one, there was already titles that I had in mind. There was yep. titles that I had in my notes that I was like, I'm going to use this title. No matter what, you could have handed me any instrumental. I could have wrote any song and it still oh. would have been called. Okay, that's interesting. You know, whatever. Yeah, like some of them got swapped out. Some of them changed. Some of them were, you know, they were the titles of another demo that got the title was switched to this new real song or or whatever. And, and so I kind of just laid it all out how you would kind of see it in writing. So I'll type them all out make sure it all aesthetically looks good from uh-huh. one to ten okay yeah and then and then we make the music fit into the, the the program as it were and when i was writing this album you know i was really hot on the idea of doing a rock opera oh really i'm like okay. super into yeah i'm like super into american idiot and like welcome to the black parade sure and those were rock operas those were like timeless classic fucking albums which is what we were trying to do and so how can i incorporate this and actually our our album for all intents and purposes is is a rock opera it, it goes in an order yeah it tells a story there's a protagonist an antagonist there's rising action there's all all kinds of stuff so you can listen to it as a as a concise all the way through album like if yeah. you were to play it classically as an lp put the needle down and, and just let it play through that's that's how it's meant to be heard that makes sense and so uh so yeah, that was kind of what it was, just you know, really nailing the format, but also just being creative, um, knowing the tools and knowing kind of the the boundaries. Sorry, once you know kind of the confines you're working in, it just makes it a lot more easy to be creative. I know that sounds counterintuitive. Well, in a way, yeah, yeah, in a way, I I totally understand. Actually, that leads me. That's a perfect segue to something I wanted to get to as well, yeah. which is saying that you know the new album, the self titled album is coming out independently this time and yep. you've worked with other labels in the past so you talk about you know once you know where you're confined to that allows you the room actually to work how you want so did that have anything to do with you wanting to be independent or was it just not the right time at this time you know to look for a label you know it's crazy because independent just ended up being the move this time like okay. I'm all about kind of doing just what's what's best for the band these days you know um 
I don't know. I'm so I'm so um, biased about labels and stuff, but <laughs> like we self funded the this album and we A and R'd and developed the whole thing, yep. you know, curated, even down to pressing our own units and vinyls, oh, and, wow. which is not even a thing anymore. People that people do, right? Really, <laughs> but this album was 100% organic in that sense and just put together by myself and the band, and so I didn't see much value in signing to a record label this time around. You know, for one thing, a label's sole responsibility in a recording contract is to find a record, find a producer, find songwriters, etc. And and we just already did all that. Like we checked oh. every box, <laughs> and so, and usually they will want to kind of groom the band and curate it from the, from day one, and you know, take a big chunk. And and we just weren't in the position to allow that for ourselves this time because we put all of our own money into it. Yeah, And so we figured, why not keep this LP in our pockets? And if a label really wants to partner up with us bad enough, they're just going to do it for our next release anyways. And that way, this one just gets us to the next level right. and does what it needs to do for us instead of us just paying money to some band or to some label just for whatever fucking reason. <laughs> uh, just, just so literally, like, I feel like in that situation, we would have been signing a deal just for validation, just to say, uh, Hey, we're signed everyone. Right. Look, even though we're, we're fucking giving away all this money, <laughs> like <Yeah>. literally just <laughs> donating money to a label. Like that's ridiculous. Yes. So, you know, why not let this, this timestamp album be in our own catalog until the end of time. And uh, a label comes along and wants to re-release it someday. Then great. But for now, these are our own masters that we own. Nobody yeah. can take that away from us. And so that was just more important this time than reaching for some internet clout or right. getting put on all the big tours so you can give X label half or more of the cash at the end. And right now, this is just what's working for us. And that's what your album is supposed to do is work for you and build your fan base. So we only do what's right for Misfortune now. And that just wasn't, wasn't to sign a record deal this time. Yeah, that is very well put. And I think... Other bands, whether they're veterans like yourself or they're bands starting out, should really hear that message because I think a lot more bands these days are going independent because they know they can put that DIY work in and not have to give a label that much and not worry about that clout that comes with it because they're able to really work for themselves and get what they want out of that too. Yeah, man. I always just say with this device in your hand, you, you can make a million dollars. Like you, you have all the tools to do everything these labels do. They just happen to kind of do it first and then get a little more of a following right. in the beginning. But, you know, at, at one point, Sumerian Records, he, you know, they had to take out a line of credit and, you, yeah, know, sure. you know, take a $20,000 loan and go make this Asking Alexandria album and then put it out and hope for the, you know, like everybody starts somewhere. So if you're going to go to a label expecting to get that result you might as well just i guess go and go and get it yourself yeah. no one's gonna go and make you famous like that's just not how it works exactly yeah no that's uh, that's very well put for sure and i think people would be good to listen to that and really take it to heart because that is important and really kind of working off of that i think you know we've talked a bunch you know i hear something kind of different in the way you're talking about all this there's a there's an extra spark you know what I mean? There's something there's something yeah. else there. And I remember the last time that we spoke, you know, you were very open about this. You had went to a residential treatment facility uh, for some mental issues that you were dealing with. But I just want to ask, I mean, we didn't ask this at the beginning of the show because that's never really real. You know, you say like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm good. You know, that kind of thing. But to be able to hear you 
talk about this music that you love. I just want to see how have you been doing since that facility? And then also, were you able to take what you learned, you know, because we had talked right after you were out of there, but were you able to take what you learned from there and, you know, does it affect how you make music? Does it affect your life? Like, where are you with that? 100%. Like, I talk mental health a lot on this album, actually. Yeah. Um, And it's crazy to think that I was even in that place now because, you know, life was clearly not going my way. I felt very trapped in a situation and I was looking for any way out. I was mad. I was in a, you know, in a deal that I didn't want to be in. And, and I was just kind of self-sabotaging. Like I was, I was blowing it up Uh, and, uh, you know, any way that I could kind of escape from, from hell, like, and since then I feel like I've kind of like rediscovered like my core values and like the purpose and, and just the meaning that I bring to a lot of other people's lives. And I used to just frankly, just loathe myself and others, which is what you do when you're unhappy. Right. And I think when I got back on my feet to make this album again is when I realized that I wasn't down for the count. Ah, Uh, you know, yeah. Something brought back my self-confidence and just like what makes me me. And I think it's possibly from making this album, knowing it's the album I've wanted to make since since I was 15. And it's like, you know, when you have a purpose and you're thriving off your purpose, it's like just gives you like your whole realization, I guess, of like positivity man and like being grateful and and it just gets you thinking back to like you know when you were 15 and like maybe we should all get back to that kid we were when all we knew was what we wanted to be when we grew up and so eventually you look in the mirror and you think is this who i wanted to be when i dreamed of all this and if the answer is no then you just have to keep trying until you're better than you were the day before and eventually you just get tired of hurting man like tired of hurting yourselves and hurting other people and the only reason that we do that is when we're scared and when it seems like the writing's on the wall. And sometimes that writing just only appears for us and nobody else. So that's, ah. that's what's, that's what hurts. And that's, that's what I'm working past, but you know, dude, it's going really good. So good. I really appreciate you asking. Yeah. Oh appreciate yeah, man. It. Absolutely. No, I love hearing when I have people on the show and this, obviously this goes for some other people, but it definitely goes for you as well. You know, when you know someone, when it, it's weird because you wouldn't expect as an interviewer or anything to really like get to know the people you, you try and do an in-depth interview. And unfortunately you see the struggles that a lot of people go through, but then to get this chance to hear that you're doing this well. And like I said, I hear that passion. I hear that spark in your voice. It just, it makes me feel good to know that you're doing so much better. Well, thank you, man. Like there's definitely still that, still that like fear and that bitterness and that jadedness that comes with this. Yeah. Because I think, you know, I think anybody that's in any position of influence is going to feel that just pressure and anxiety and like, you know, especially when you, when you kind of like, uh, fuel the fire, like I kind of used to tend to do, sure, sure. um, you know, that shit blows up in your face. And so you, you don't want to, you don't want to live like that. No, absolutely not. It's, yeah. it's always good. You know, you're never going to be perfect. And yeah. you're probably not ever going to be 100%, but it's always good to know that you're moving in that right direction. And I guess that also leads to another thing. And it's kind of cliche, but I think this works for you, especially because we talked, you know, over the years, we've talked about yeah. the hardships you've gone through. We talk about, you know, all the different members of Misfortune and how, you know, now you've got this new band, you're putting out new music. But like I said, it's a little cliche. But with all you've gone through in the eight plus years of making music, putting things out, 
what really drives you to continue because you could easily go off and do something else. But there's something inside you that drives you to make music. So what keeps you driven to do that? That's a good question, man. I guess it's just that that natural desire to like uplift and motivate others. But it's like it's the natural ego that that we all have, you know, and and I'm talking about the good ego, which is the one that makes you want to get out of bed every day and run full force towards your goals. Like, you know, not the not the toxic ego, which I used to have. Um, You know, I think an ego can be a positive thing. And when it comes to lead singers, you're going to get some of the most elaborate and delusional (laughs) egos in the game. So maybe that's what keeps me going. All I know is that nothing can stop me from getting up to the mic and just, you know, singing my heart out. And they've tried to write my ending and cancel shows and everything else. But that's just not how we live. And you get me? (laughs) You got me with that one. You get me? You got me with that one. I like that. Yeah, (laughs) I like that. I like when the the positive motivational speaker, Mikey Sawyer, comes out. Oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. it works. (laughs) Well, listen to the album then. Listen to the album. (laughs) I honestly, I did want to mention that too. As I listened through multiple, multiple times, I was really surprised at how many, like, obviously you had a lot of style changes like we talked about. You had, you know, the screaming in the background with with different songs. But then you also, I picked up on more inspirational lyrics, a lot more positivity in that as well. So that's got to be coming from your life too. It is. There was a lot of introspection while I was making this album just because once again, I mean, once you realize the confines of, of your situation and and stuff like that which sounds it sounds dark when you put it like that but it's like (laughs) you know i had so many different lenses and filters and topics and things to like to get around to like make this album yeah and so it was a very colorful experience and and trying to um just convey the message that i really need to convey to the world which is that you know Hey, a couple of years ago, I was being put in this box because I was looking up to the wrong kinds of singers and the wrong, you know, the wrong things in the industry. Um, whenever really now I'm trying to kind of be like, hey, hey, like I actually belonged in this other box. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, that's not what I was trying to do. And um, and so a lot of that, you know, but a lot of it was really just just very organic um, stuff from the heart, just stuff that makes me happy to listen to and stuff that I felt would be cool to share with people in yeah. in this gen of the band. So Right. Yeah, yeah, you're reinventing yourself by being yourself. Yeah, exactly. No, for sure. Like, yeah. Because if it wasn't for the internet, I promise you Mikey Sawyer would have been the most beloved person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like whenever people meet me in real life, they're just like, like, you're not the person that I read about. Right. I feel like. And I'm like, true. <laughs> no, that's Facts. what Believe me, I try and tell people that too when they, when they talk <laughs> yeah. to me. I'm like, I've met the guy, we've hung out, I've talked to him multiple times. Like, it's not the same as what you think. So, no, that that's definitely, definitely true. So then, I think, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of reasons I think I could answer this. But just to have the final definitive thing here with the brand new album coming out, what are you most excited for people to really finally get a chance to hear there? I think people just simply aren't ready like for how hard this album this album goes man like our old stuff you know we were riffing away and we were doing our thing and and everything but I just feel like this time we really made like a real album in the sense that like we wrote some real songs 
that 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 cut they go deep like we dived really deep sure especially just from the lyrical the lyrical side and stuff like that um but i just think people just aren't expecting how many layers and counter melodies and production elements there are like the song fentanyl we released on nail the mix yep has 122 tracks and wow. some people would say that's a lot <laughs> some people would say that's not shit i think that's a lot i for think a it's a fortune song yeah yeah for like so. for what we do that's a lot <laughs> and just regardless of what people are expecting from this album it's probably going to exceed their expectations and that's what i loved about writing it and sitting on it for as long as we have is it's not going out of style anytime soon which is almost an emotion that i strive for when making an lp but also yeah. i just love to, to see people eat their words and oh, so sure. you know when people i don't know man yeah well look, people the- try to write <laughs> yeah there's a little you bit of ego there. At. Yeah. There's a little bit of ego there bit. too. Yeah, for sure. You want to yeah. be you want to be positive, but you also want to show people like, "Hey, when I'm really putting my mind to something, when there's something that I truly love and feel passion for it, then I'm going to knock it out of the park." Exactly, cuz they doubted me, like they counted me out. So Right. Yeah. No, no, I can't have that. You can't have that. That's right. Can't have that. <laughs> well, man, I I love talking about this. I do have to ask though. <laughs> I definitely do. Because, you know, I've only had a chance to see you, I think it was only twice now that I've had a chance to see you. And that's obviously not the newer music, it's more the older music. Yeah. You know, you're independent, you've got the new album coming out. Are you going to be doing any country, you know, countrywide tours? Are you going to be doing any tours of anything for this? We have been approached about doing some out-of-the-country stuff, like oh. in the UK, okay. in South America, and stuff like that. Right now, we don't have anything announced that's booked. Okay. But we just want to we just want to make sure that when we play these especially these new songs that everything goes off pretty flawlessly. Right. Because you know, you can guarantee that when you do see MF live this year that we will have a very refined set. Ah. Okay. Um we got like a, a bunch of like new upgrades for the live sound, like we have our own digital mixer and stuff like that and nice. our own like sound sound engineer and all that. Yeah, yeah. So, and playing these songs has just been like a new stadium kind of experience for us because Andrew produced our soundscape to kind of be like that arena rock, almost like Chris Lord algae type shit. Oh, okay. So every everything like is very modern and yet classic, and so finding that balance is always a challenge. But you know, we'll let you know whenever we're whenever we're playing near you. Well, and, of course, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just it's just crazy, man. Because I, one thing I learned from this process was just how completely different the mediums between live and the studio really are because yeah. it's two, two completely different ways of processing sound it's two completely different art forms yep and two different like physical i guess like audio technical uh processes and so like it's crazy man because we we were in this place of we're trying to figure out if we want to sound like this digital like you know new new band or if we want to sound like this like raw you know kind of classic sound or like this big arena style so it's just been experimenting like you know we've been practicing like the new songs for like six months oh wow you know we finished yeah we finished recording the album in july and we got yeah so it's been about six or seven months now like that we've just been listening to this oh and waiting for the right time for it to come out yeah it's been it's been hard yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah, whenever you're sitting on that material for so long. And you know, as as you know, I talk to a lot of bands and that's always one of the biggest gripes because some bands have to sit on their material for like two years before they're ever actually able to do anything with it. So this is, you know, six months or so isn't the worst, 
but I'm sure you're chomping at the bit right now coming up to April to really get this material out so people can hear it. Yeah, it's really flown by. We started writing for this album like last April, and we we actually went in to record in, in July. Yep. So we had about three months before the studio to write, and then we wrote in the studio big time. And, you know, so yeah, by the time it comes out, it will have been a year. Hearts on Fire was written in November of 2018. Okay. So that one just came out yeah. in December of 2019. Right. So that's that's the shit that's weird to me is like just how songs are not even new to me anymore. Like even this album, I'm already thinking about the next one. Ah, because I'm just you know. Hey, there's yeah. a little tidbit there. Nice. Uh huh. I'm thinking about the next one. I'm thinking about singles. I'm thinking like this album could honestly carry us through the next two or three years. But For it's sure. just like yeah. I I'm just so hungry. Like and I have so much leftover, you know, creative energy from making this album that I feel like I can keep making records. Very cool, Mikey. I think I think this is a good place right now. We were talking about shooting the shit earlier. We even mentioned at the beginning of the show. But when looking at the time, I'm like, I think people are going to really enjoy this kind of condensed version going you know, straight through everything that we want to talk about. And what I think we'll just do is later on this year, I'll just have you back on the show and we'll do a you know, shoot the shit show. And we'll just talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I like you know, that. Yeah, everything going on. We'll make it like a Joe Rogan type thing. And we'll just talk about everything. So for right now, though, let's go ahead and we'll close this out. We'll leave with the plug section here. So once again, the new album, the new self-titled album, Misfortune, is coming out on April 3rd. Now, by the time this comes out, you should still be able to pre-order. So I'll have links in the description that allow you to get that because you've got vinyls, as you were talking about, which I'm definitely going to get. I love. There's something about it. I don't even know, to be quite honest, I don't even think I listen to vinyls. But for some reason, I like having a vinyl for every band that's been on the show. It's like a piece of art to me now. So I'll definitely be getting it. Hopefully other people will get the bundles, they'll get the vinyl. But until then, Mikey, what is the best way for people to support you guys? Man, just if you just share us, share us with your friends, um, share our Spotify link. Yeah. You know, come out to a show, come hang out with us, um, buy a vinyl. Yeah. We worked really hard on it. Right. We actually made this album just to sound good on on vinyl. There's oh, a three hundred. Nice. There's only three hundred copies of it, and each one is a like a random spatter, like a random color. Oh sure. And so each each unit is unique, um, in its own right. So very cool. It's pretty sick. Yeah, I'm super stoked. Yeah, I can't wait to get mine. So all right, man. Well, once again, I always enjoy having you on the show. Like I said, I love hearing you in a better place. I love the album. I mean, everything's going great for you, and I'm really glad to hear that. So everyone, make sure you go out and support Mikey and Misfortune. And like he said, when they go out on tour, make sure you're able to do that too because it'll be a completely different experience. But until then, man, thank you so much once again for coming back on the show. Ian, thank you so much.